Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. I'd like to begin today by recapping where we've been over the last number of weekends. Uh, Going back to March 19th, uh, we started to unpack the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. And we took a look at the gospel through three different perspectives, or maybe four, uh, presence and purity, uh, the gospel uh, through the the perspective of power and and purpose. The, the, The gospel has the power to save us from sin. The gospel has purpose. We, we started to uh, look at the bigger gospel, how Jesus restores us, uh, not so that we just wait around for heaven, but we are his restored image bearers, his restored representatives, and we get to go out in all nooks and crannies of our life and family and society, and we get to spread God's glory all around. April 9th was Easter Sunday. We, we, uh, we took a look at the atoning death and resurrection of, of Jesus, and we had communion that morning here, right here in this room together in community. And then we went on to take a look at the identity of a gospel community, how we need healthy community in our lives. And the invitation to, to, was to really see Plymouth Meeting Church as a family of spirit-filled missionary servants. And then on April 23, we talked more about identity more about gospel identity, specifically that God is the one who defines you. We address the the challenge that what you do does not equal who you are. You know, this is a a common voice that we hear all the time, that if you do, then you will be. If you do, then you will be. Just like what the serpent voiced to the woman in Genesis 3. If you eat the fruit, then you'll be like God. If you do, then you'll be. Yeah, this this lie has been around for a long time, and we get hit with it all the time. Our identity is restored in Jesus when we come to God in faith, and, and then out of our identity, out of our restored identity, yeah, then we get to go do. We get to operate out of who we are. And then finally, last weekend... Uh, we had a church-wide potluck dinner Saturday night, and that flowed into our Sunday morning experience where uh, right here in this room, uh, we, we had Soul Share Sunday, and in large group format, we just opened up uh, the microphone, and people shared what's going on in their life, uh, scriptures and things like that. And I'm just so proud of this church for being able to embrace one another in, in a space like that. And I, I am sorry for, for those who, who missed it, if you weren't able to, to be here last weekend. It was, it was really good. And all together here, to kind of show you where we've been tracking more from like a bird's eye view. My goal has been this. I, building up what I've come to learn to call gospel fluency. Gospel fluency. Gospel is the good news of Jesus and his kingdom, speaking good news, being a good newser, right? Well, fluency is the ability to consistently apply a skill, just like speaking a language, right? Speaking a language correctly in a well-practiced manner, like you're saying the appropriate words, right sentence structure, all of that, it just flows out of you. You don't need to think about it. That's what fluency means, right? So my my desire is that Plymouth Meeting Church can be a community 
that is always growing in gospel fluency. We're fluent in speaking the good news, being and doing the good news. And so um, today, part of learning to be and do and speak and enjoy the good news of Jesus is seeing gospel or this good newsing, seeing it as an ongoing task. Okay, so today we're going to talk about evangelism and discipleship. These two key words that we hear often, if you track in the church long enough, you'll definitely hear these words, discipleship and evangelism. Now, in my past experiences, discipleship was framed framed up like a program. Okay, it was a Sunday school that you attended. It was a Bible study, a class. I didn't grow up with the word catechism. You might know that word, but it was a thing that you, you went and did, youth group, etc. And sure, yes, those are vehicles for, for discipleship. And then evangelism was often <coughs> presented like this slick presentation that I needed to know and have down pat. You know, it's kind of like being ready to win an argument. Selling something. And it was usually placed in this context that you're going to bump into a stranger and you're going to have to like ninja gospel them. Like, like, like just kind of, I don't really know who they are, but I'm going to lead them to Christ, you know? And then if you didn't share Jesus well or at all, well, then you had to like deal with that shame. You had to kind of sort through that. Oh, why didn't I speak up for Jesus? Well, today, church, let's, let's, take, let's take a time out. Let's take a fresh look at discipleship and evangelism. Not from a place of like technical things that we do, but more from a place of who we are. Let's take a look at discipleship and evangelism from a place of, of lifestyle. And so if you don't mind, I want to go to Romans chapter 14 first. So if you have your Bibles... Turn to Romans chapter 14, or turn on your Bibles, whatever the case may be. Romans chapter 14. As you turn there, though, I'm going to take you to the Princess Bride. Okay. You might know this movie. There's a scene called the Battle of the Wits. And this, this will make sense if you've seen this movie. Okay. The man in black puts two goblins, goblets, not goblins, goblets <laughs> before Vizzini. And the man in black, black asks, where is the poison? So Vizzini, if you know the scene, he, he goes through multiple rounds of justifications and possibilities and considerations here. And at the end, Vizzini never considers the possibility that both goblets are poisoned. Both goblets are poisoned. So to be clear, the man in black never said only one was poisoned. Vizzini, he automatically assumed an either-or framework. In his thinking, either it was this goblet or that goblet that was poisoned. So either-or, either-or. It's a simple sorting mechanism, either-or. You know, either-or framework, it puts things into neat categories and boxes. But on the other hand, a both-and framework, both-and it opens up possibilities that something 
can be more than one thing. In your Bible, in theology, there are many instances where we encounter both and. God is transcendent and imminent at the same time. Mary was pregnant and a virgin at the same time. The kingdom is here, but not yet. It's still arriving. It's still coming. The Bible has one author and many authors. And so in our Bible study, in our Christian walk, there are instances where ambivalence and ambiguity and paradox, you know, sometimes we have to embrace a both-and framework. And when we do that, it really opens up opens us up to the mysteries of, of faith so that God can stretch our biblical imagination and, 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 and creativity and, and we can understand grace and generosity and miracles and, and so on. And so today, let's not be like the Zini and approach discipleship and evangelism from an either-or framework. It's both and. Discipleship and evangelism, they go together. And so Jesus gave his disciples this ongoing job to do. Matthew 28, right? Go and make disciples who make disciples. We call it the Great Commission. Now, Jesus could have, like, attached a bunch of other tasks to that. He could have said, like, start orphanages and, and, and plant churches and do this and do that. You know, that's, no, the bottom line is go and make disciples. Okay? Everything else will follow. But also notice, you know, he didn't say go evangelize. Right? Now, traditionally, uh, this is how many have understood discipleship and evangelism. Evangelism from the Greek, euangelion, which means good news, good announcement. Right? It's, it's, and then we, we, evangelism is the words and actions and events that lead to a person to make a decision. We call that conversion, being born again, um, come to Jesus moment, getting saved, all of that stuff. Okay, and then, and then discipleship, traditionally understood, is the process of what we do after we get saved. Disciple, the Greek word is methetes, which means learner. So now we start to learn. Okay. And so if we were to draw it out, Traditionally, this is what it would look like. There's evangelism, there's a come-to-Jesus moment, we go to the cross, conversion, and then discipleship happens. Okay, so Jesus, he sends out his disciples to make more and more disciples of Jesus. And then other leaders and families and other trailblazers, they get involved in this Jesus movement. One of them was named Paul, and, and Paul really worked hard at building this multicultural, multi-ethnic church in the Roman Empire. Because if the gospel really is the gospel, there are, there's really big implications here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be wild. You know, the gospel is going to free men and women from all over the place. And you know what? Paul was successful. Christianity did spread throughout the empire. And it looked different, and it sounded different. And of course, when you have a bunch of diverse who get together, there's going to be some issues. There's cultural differences, cultural preferences, and, and things like that. The stuff that we call non-essentials. And so in Romans chapter 14, Paul, in this effort 
to keep unity in the church, Paul takes some time to address these cultural differences. Okay, But he kind of says, you know, cultural differences don't determine who's in and who's out. Okay, With love, and this is going back to Romans 13 a little bit, you kind of have to read the whole thing. With, with love, you're going to have to learn how to show grace and work through these differences here. All right, these, these non-essentials. Okay, what's culture? What's biblical? What's culture? What's, what's biblical? All right, we're, we're going to have to kind of learn how to navigate through all this with, with love, with the great commandment circumscribing everything. And so at the end of what we call chapter 14, Paul then drops this little nugget. He, he shows what he's thinking here about faith and how we live it out. And this is what Paul says. Everything that does not come from faith, another word for that is belief, is sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. So the convictions we have, the actions we make, that should be consistent with what we believe. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then according to Paul, that's missing the mark. Okay, You're not, you're not tuned in right. You need, to, you need to take a look at that. Okay, for me, it's so it's like my head says one thing, my heart says another, and somewhere in between there's like a little poker game going on. It's like, wait a second, there's some sort of unbelief, there's some doubt, there's some skepticism going on. Somewhere in my theological grid, I'm not believing a truth, and you know what? Yeah, that's, that's causing sin, according to Romans 14, 23. In short... If we have faith issues, yeah, that means we're, we're operating out of unbelief, and that's, that's no good. If we don't trust God, then that means we're trusting something else. And so a teacher that has meant a lot to me, I've learned a lot, his name's Caesar Kalinowski. He writes this, discipleship, or what is sometimes called sanctification, it's the process from moving from unbelief to belief, about what is true of God and the gospel in absolutely every area of life. When, when, he, when he framed it up that way, it, it really impacted me. Moving from unbelief to belief about God and the gospel and what, like who God is and what God is all about in all areas of life, that is discipleship. So now let's turn to John chapter 8. We'll take a peek of how Jesus thinks about this unbelief to believe lifestyle. In John chapter 8, Jesus is telling people that he's from above. He's not from here. You know, now on this side of the cross with, with the whole council of, of the Bible, like, like we're able to kind of be like, okay, yeah, we understand what Jesus is talking about. Uh, Jesus talks about the relationship with God the, that he has with God the Father, how Jesus operates out of the Father's will. It goes over a lot of people's heads. Still goes over a lot of people's heads today. But yet in John chapter 8, verse 30, it says many believed. Okay? So many people, they started to shift. There was a movement. They, they, they started to believe about this true identity of Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Who is this? You know, I think, I think Jesus is on to something. I'm, I'm believing him. We get to verse 31. To the Jews, primary audience right there. Jews, he's, he's speaking with his audience. 
He turned to them, to the Jews he had believed, to, to the Jews who had believed him. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, if you continue, if you remain, if you abide in my word, my message, my true teaching, my true reality, then you will be my real disciples. You will be my true disciples. If your faith is small, hey, stick this out. Live, live it out. Because something great will happen. You will come to know the truth. You will come to know the truth. As you believe and follow Jesus, you, you will enter into this process of transformation that leads to freedom. As you follow, as you embrace Jesus and his teaching, as, as you go on this journey with him, you'll, you'll find freedom in your life. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from your past. Freedom from the bondage of, of religion and that, that, that religious treadmill of always performing and, and looking good. And, and it's just like, hey, you got to look so clean and perfect all the time. And you got to show up and smile and all that fake stuff that, that we put on. Like, well, Jesus is like, I'm going to free you from that. I'll let you be your real self. I'll let you operate out of your real restored Identity. I'm here to free you. Come know me. Come walk with me. If you want to move from unbelief to belief, embrace Jesus. Embrace his good news, his gospel. Embrace his word. Embracing Jesus will bring more and more Jesus into your life. Embracing Jesus is to embrace truth. And embracing the truth will bring more and more truth to your life. And as more and more truth comes into your life, you will be released into a freeing reality. But notice Jesus didn't say, I need you to understand everything. I need you to, to be this walking theological textbook and, and, and say this prayer and then everything will just happen. You'll just start this discipling process. Jesus invited people into his life. And he had conversation based on the person, based on the, the, the relationship. Every person, every context, every story is different. And I love when, when people grow in their faith, when, when walls come down, when stumbling blocks are destroyed and demolished. I, I, I love when people grow in their faith. I, I love when people make a decision to follow Jesus, when, when people believe in their heart and profess with her mouth, that Jesus is Lord. Absolutely, I love seeing more and more people come to Jesus and follow Jesus. I want us to carefully consider what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 8. You don't have to agree with me, but I, I invite you to, to listen. I invite you to, to try to see discipleship and evangelism with how Jesus viewed it and modeled it. It was a lifestyle. Follow Jesus. Learn from him. Move from unbelief to belief in all areas of life. Know the truth. Experience freedom. Relational freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Did the 12 disciples 
ever say a prayer and then become Christian. Ah, no, no. It, it was through relationship, through teaching moments, Jesus walked with his disciples. They came to know the truth, the truth of the gospel, who this Jesus was, the, the, the family that he's attached to, and his, his genealogy and the whole story of Israel and Abraham. It's like, whoa, I see it now. I like, I believe it. Jesus. I see Jesus on the cross. What Jesus did for me. I see the resurrection. Wow. They followed Jesus. They learned from Jesus. It changed their world. They had to unlearn things. They had to relearn things. How many times do you forgive somebody? Seven times something? You know, like, like Jesus had to unlearn, like Jesus had to teach them. They had to unlearn things. They had to relearn things. Okay, eventually they became the most free men in the empire. They were free to express their faith through love. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so perhaps if we sketch it out now, it looks like this. Okay, discipleship leads us to the truth. And then as we know the truth, we grow, and we grow to be free. Moving from unbelief to belief. Taking things to the cross. Surrendering things over to Jesus. We, we trust God with our atonement. Do we trust God with our money? What does God say about marriage and, and sex? What, what does God say about work ethics? About language? About gossip? About anxiety and stress? About the foods we eat? You know, it's like... God, is this biblical? God, what do you say? What do you say about this? Is there good news here? Is there, is there freedom to experience? Here's this cultural thing I'm taking to you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, like this is cool. You, you're meeting me in my culture. This is awesome. Moving from unbelief to belief, sorting things out, going to the cross, surrendering things over. Jesus says there's freedom on the other side of that. Repent and believe. The good news. And what about evangelism? What about this announcing the good news program, you know, the, the words and our actions, hopefully both evangelism? Well, you know what? We always need evangelism. We always need the good news. We always need to be reminded and corrected with good news so that we can continue to shift in our unbelief to belief. You see, if we keep discipleship, moving from unbelief to belief in all areas of life, and if we keep evangelism, being a good newser, if we, if we keep those two things together and we put it out of our lifestyle, you know, it, it's less about what we do and it's just more about who we are, then yeah, we can, start, we can start inviting people into our life, we can start encouraging them, we can be generous, we can be hospitable to them, we can show them grace, we can start sharing them good news, we can share them the story of Easter. Now I want to get to some um, some implications and thoughts uh, here, but I just want to quote Caesar Kalinowski one more time here. He says, "Don't assume that the first move from unbelief to belief that happens in a person's life is always around the issue of their ultimate sin and utter sinfulness and a need of a savior." As we engage with people and treat them like family, their first shifts in belief may be in the areas of trust and grace 
in God's abundant generosity as experienced through us in community. Through relationships and conversation. So I invite you to view discipleship and evangelism as as connected movements, connected movements of of transformation, two sides of the same coin. And so perhaps we could sketch it out like this, and this is what's printed in your bulletin today, that it's a process. Evangelism feeds our discipleship. Discipleship feeds our evangelism, and it's a process of transformation, getting to know Jesus, getting to know the truth, and the truth setting us free. That we go to the cross with our wounds and we find healing. <coughs> we can take our baggage to Jesus and find freedom. If we want to move from unbelief to belief about Jesus and the gospel so that we can know the truth and be free, then yes, we're always in need of evangelism. Okay? We, we need good news. We, we, we need people to, to speak life into us. Our hearts are in always need of gospeling. Because there's a lot of old creation that's, that's still hanging around. Okay? And that needs to be sorted out. It's not either evangelism or discipleship. It's both and. And we're all under the construction process of transformation. I also invite you to consider, uh, let evangelism and discipleship flow from your life. God has made you the way that you are. If God has designed you to, to have this just this enormous, amazing ability to talk to strangers and like bump to, bump into them like at the grocery store or wherever the case may be, and like you can just like really navigate that conversation well. Like if that's how God has made you, operate out of that. Let, let evangelism and, and discipleship, like let it flow from your life. He's given you a personality, a brain. He's given you interests and and skills and and gifts. Don't wait for the Sunday morning experience for discipleship and evangelism to happen. No, it it happens at the breakfast table. It happens at the hallway and work. You walk around the neighborhood and you catch up with with people. Right? it's It's a lifestyle here. And so look for opportunities. To speak good news. Be ready in every situation. Yeah, maybe maybe I can spread some hope here today. We are evangelizing disciple makers, discipling evangelizers. If you're really good with one-on-ones, lean into that. If you like to tell stories, lean into that. If you're a person who, who just like, it, it is just so easy and it's a no-brainer to just stop by people's houses and five minutes drop off a fruit basket give them a hug and spread some love like like if that's what you are designed if that's how god made you just flow out of that you don't have to be me you don't have to be billy graham god made you to be you keep being a person of good news which means know your audience Each relationship will look different. Every context and people's experiences, it looks different. 
And the way that you're intentional about evangelistic discipleship or uh, discipling evangelism, you will definitely need to be able to read the room. Whether they're Christian or not, we're all coming together from from a different pace and place, and we need to be able to, to read the room. Now, to be clear, everyone is profoundly lost, no matter how close you are to salvation and regeneration and you know, surrender to Christ. You know, a lost person is a lost person, but that doesn't mean we, we, we approach each person the same way. Because, like, let's just say, like, there's a line right here. This is, this is the come to Jesus moment, okay? There are people who, who, they don't know Jesus yet. They know a lot of Bible. They know a lot of religious stuff. But they're oriented away. At the same time, there's like really lost people far out. But they are oriented towards Jesus, okay? They're, everyone's different. There's different just it's a different context and so we need to be able to know who they are and ask questions and get get to know their story likewise there's believers there's people in the church but they struggle with doubt and unbelief and guess what they need good news too they need encouragement they need shepherd they need discipleship all of that good stuff build relationships know your audience look and Pray and discern, hey, what's, what's the next appropriate thing for them? What's the next appropriate thing? Maybe it's a, maybe you will have like a one-time, like you get to share your faith kind of encounter. Maybe, actually, you know, it's, it's a slow and steady. It's multiple encounters with this person. Little acts of kindness, grace, and generosity. And you're going to plant seeds as you go. <coughs> Be a person of, of invitation and conversation. Like the way that Jesus modeled it. Invite people into your life. Share your story, your faith walk. You have permission to disciple people before they, they've had any type of confession of faith. You might have to change your vocabulary. You know, don't scare them away with a bunch of churchy words. Right? You might have to change how you, you approach that. But you love on them. You, you, again, you invite them into your life. Simple acts of kindness. Now use caution here. I have to put out some caution. The gospel wrecks people's lives. Like I, and I say that in the best way possible. But the gospel will wreck people's lives. The gospel challenges a person's world. Friction is bound to happen. And so it's important that you continue to be for them. Okay? People are people and not projects. People want to be loved and not programmed. If they sense a program, no, thank you. If you're not for them, if you're not with them, then perhaps put a time out on that. Maybe you, you don't really have any business discipling them. It's through conversation, presence, walking with them. God knows their hearts. Hearts grow cold. They might, they might push back. Hey, it's okay. You can adjust. You can pivot. You can continue to love on them, pray for them present with them. And then finally, yeah, trust trust the Holy Spirit who empowers you. And this is important. 
we do not do the saving. Okay, this is, this is the Holy Spirit's job. This shifting from unbelief to belief. Yeah, we're actually not that powerful. Like, that is not us. That is God working upon a heart. That is, a, that is the Spirit tapping their mind, tapping on their heart. And so believe and trust that the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you through discipleship and evangelism. Trust that the Spirit will open your ears, give you the right words to say, the right questions to ask, to be able to hear spiritually what's going on behind the scenes. Hey, if it's unbelief behind everything, yeah. There's, there's some sort of lie. There's, there's a hang-up. And there, there's, stuff, there's always stuff going on behind the thing. There's things behind the thing. That's where it's like, yeah, with patience, knowing what, what thread to pull, what's, what's the right question to ask? Holy Spirit, just <laughs> help me. Trust, trust God's process. Some prepare, some plant, some harvest. God brings the increase. And you know, it's a kingdom principle that, you know, things start slow and then can get bigger and bigger. Things start small, like the mustard seed. It starts super small, but then it grows. And it has so many, so many branches. And somewhere in the middle, we, we just got to be patient, obedient, authentic, intentional. Trust God's process. So Plymouth Meeting Church, let us trust the Holy Spirit that we have received. Let's go be Jesus' witnesses to bar from Acts in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. May we embrace the ongoing good newsing lifestyle that we've been invited into. May we ourselves continue to, to be hungry, to shift in unbelief to belief in all areas of our own life. And may we help others and be good newsers to others. May we be people of good news in the lives of others. Let's close in prayer.